Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 19th of December 2022. Happy Monday to you, ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready, roaring into Christmas week. Oh man, couldn't everybody use a nice three-day weekend? Yes, that's right. A three. Actually, uh, as far as radio goes, I'm taking off Friday and then next week and then the Monday after New Year's. Yeah, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be tough to come back, but as I am not independently wealthy, I have no other choice. But it'll be nice to be able to sleep in. The The writing will still continue. The podcast, there'll be something up every day, probably a best of. But uh, the uh, the writing, eh, I, that's contract work. So if I don't do it, I don't get paid. And I like doing it. Plus, I've got a, a series going right now. So i got to finish that up. And it's not too much. I'm, I can do that anytime. So you don't need to know that. But uh, let us get on with the program at the end of the show. We'll announce who won the Donald Trump book, so you don't want to miss that. Let's get started. Action-packed program, as we have for you every day. And I know, look, it is always risky to criticize certain people or touch on certain topics when it comes to this medium. But I have to be critical because it's honest sometimes. And what I mean by that is I have to be critical of Donald Trump. We've been t- for a couple of days, it was, we've got a major announcement coming. A major, he used all caps on his major announcement. All caps on it. And so I didn't know what the heck it was. And actually, he stepped on his own message because we don't really... Well, we do know which one was the major announcement. But he also put out a statement that was really damn good on uh, freedom of speech and the intermingling and commingling and intertwining of government power and social media big tech companies. Did you hear about it? You You heard somebody probably passively talk about it, but you didn't hear about it. Because of what else he did that day, which was, frankly, wildly stupid. He's a rich man, right? Donald Trump is a rich man. Billionaire, to hear him tell. $10 billion, worth a fortune. Okay, great, and good for him. I don't care. I don't, I'm not in the will, so what the hell do I care? But <clears throat> if you talk about how rich you are, you shouldn't be so petty. I would think. And there's, you know, what do I mean? He released NFTs. NFTs are, stands for non-fungible tokens. They're digital th- works of art, trading cards, whatever you want. They're, everybody's been trying to get into this business. Like uh, the baseball card companies all have NFTs and sports card companies. They all have NFTs, various uh, sports networks, every company that possibly could conceivably market something as like digital art or digital collectible is in this space. They're limited numbers. I don't know how they work. I don't know how you can't just go, all right, well, I've got this picture here. I I could easily screen capture any of these pictures. And I too have those pictures. I'm not sure 
how that works. Now, granted, you can buy a poster of the Mona Lisa, right? You don't have the Mona Lisa, but you could buy a poster of the Mona Lisa. I think it'd be, you know, what's weird is the posters of the Mona Lisa are much bigger than the Mona Lisa. The, uh, <laughs> it's just, the, Mo- the actual Mona Lisa, you know, oh man, I've traveled to the other side of the planet. I get to see this famous worker. It's going to be glorious. Oh my God. And you get up there and you go, wait, that? I flew eight hours uncomfortably in coach to, for that. Not that it's ugly or anything. It's just behind glass. It's filled with smelly tourists trying to ram up there. There's signs saying don't take pictures while everybody and their brother's taking pictures. And uh, it's funny because they're all taking flash pictures. It expressly says no flash photography because it damages the painting. But the glass they have in front of it, all they're really getting is a nice glary shot of you know, behind this flash you can see the frame of the Mona Lisa but that's beside the point the one thing that strikes you is how small the Mona Lisa is but you can buy a poster of it you can buy a poster of it as big as you want you can actually buy your poster it'd be probably nicer than having the actual Mona Lisa not necessarily from an investment standpoint but if you really wanted an NFT of whatever your favorite baseball player or your because you want to collect all the images. Because what are you going to do? It's digital. You're never, you're never going to be able to hold it in your hands. It doesn't matter. It's like having a, you know, the proverbial girlfriend in Canada. You can tell everybody in the world. And like growing up in Detroit, everybody had a girlfriend in Canada at one point or another. Growing and you go, oh, I got a girlfriend in Canada, and you can maybe get everybody to believe that you are, you know, the the swinging fifteen year old. In all of Ontario, the province, not the, and you go, no, but it doesn't matter because she, your girlfriend in Canada isn't real. I don't know if anybody's ever claimed to have a boyfriend in Canada. That'd be weird. But the girlfriend in Canada is ubiquitous. It's not real. An NFT is not real. Now, you could say Bitcoin isn't real. I don't know. I don't care. But NFTs have been sold... For a while now, a year or two, I guess, pub, you know, out in the uh, mainstream. And I don't know that any of them have ever actually turned a profit. I don't know that any of them have ever actually appreciated in value. Some of them have sold for a lot of money. And then immediately people go, well, why would I buy that off of you? You paid 50 grand for this picture. Why would I pay you anything for this? The picture's online, you know? <laughs> Like, I don't, I'll never own a, a 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle rookie card. It's not as rookie, but card. Because if you chewed up one, if you digested one and then excreted it, it'd still sell for ten grand. And I wouldn't want one that you go, well, if you look past the vomit and the chew marks, you can see that it's a 52 Tops Mickey Mantle. I'd want a nice one. Well, the nicest one that ever sold publicly just sold for... Uh, what was it, $12 million or something, $12.5 million, I think it was. Not going to be able to do it. Even if I could afford it, I don't think I could justify that. But I can take, I have a couple of counterfeits. I have a couple of reprints that are, well, they're not, they're not necessarily counterfeits. They're a couple of reprints that are really well done. I could possibly fuel somebody or fool somebody if and I uh, went through and doctored them up, dirtied them up, aged them, whatever. But it's never going to be a 52 Tops Mickey Mantle. I don't understand the craze for the NFTs. Well, President Trump made a half a million dollars 
when he released his NFTs, or somebody did, I'm sure there's other business partners, somebody put these together, somebody sold them on the concept. And this was the major announcement. The man is running for president and he's selling NFTs. I have the audio for it. It's in its entirety. Because I want you to hear it in its entirety and you can judge for yourself. What you hear at the very beginning sounds like lasers from a movie are basically lasers from a movie. It's Donald Trump standing there with, I think he's pulling his shirt open and he's revealing the Superman logo, but with a T. And lasers are shooting from his eyes. And this was the only announced presidential candidate so far of 2024 making a quote-unquote major announcement. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump digital cards, just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. Or golf with you and a group of your friends at one of my beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. We're doing a lot. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community, and I think it's something you're going to like, and you're going to like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts. So you can buy them with your credit card or crypto. All you need is an email address. Go to collecttrumpcards.com and buy your Trump digital trading cards right now before they are all gone and they will be gone. This is my first official Trump trading card NFT collection and you get a chance to meet me. Go to collecttrumpcards.com right now and remember Christmas is coming, and this makes a great Christmas gift. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. There you go. That's the whole audio of the video of the former president selling NFTs. Various things from his life. Now, I'm looking at them as they scroll by. It's him standing there, hand on his hip, pointing, wearing sunglasses in front of the Hollywood sign that instead of it saying Hollywood, it says Trump World. I don't remember that. It's him dressed as Superman, but with a T, with an American flag cape and uh, 45 on his boots. I don't remember that. I don't remember Donald Trump on the moon. I don't remember. It's just bizarre. It cheapens the brand. Which, if you're running for president of the United States and you're running as a former president of the United States and you want to return to how things are or how things were, that should be your focus. I get you got you got to make money, I suppose, but if you got $10 million or $10 billion, what is, 
another half million do. And if you split that 50-50 with the people who actually created these NFTs, you're looking at a quarter of a million dollars. That's not even, if you were to throw that into your political action committee, if you were to throw that into your campaign, that's not even a commercial. It's just not. Not a high quality commercial that you'd need to to produce in order to, if you're running for president. I, I don't get it. Like I said, he released another video, a six minute long video. I'm not going to play a bit of that, but it was about the collusion between the deep state people and you know, the intelligence community and justice department and tech companies, big tech and what he's going to do about it. Nobody heard it. Nobody saw it. Well, it's because the media sucks and you're focusing on it too, Derek, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what Kellyanne Conway, I assume, brought to the Trump campaign. An understanding of how politics works. That if you, you go out there and release the, the greatest platform ever, but if you push an old lady down a flight of stairs, guess what's going to lead the news coverage? You just pushed an old lady down a flight of stairs. Message discipline. There's room for both. If you want to do the NFT thing, do the NFT, but then, first of all, don't bill it as a major announcement. It is sales, all right? Donald Trump is a salesman, but he's running for president of the United States, not the chief salesman of the United States. And you don't release other things you have that day, like, well, I don't know, a major position statement on censorship, on freedom of speech, etc., etc. Maybe separate those things by a day or two. Or more. Or maybe you do the one first. The important you are running for president of the United States first, theoretically, right? And it's not just me. I know people are out there going, blah, you Trump hater, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not a Trump hater. It's a great president. I think that he ended up becoming president a lot because of the people who are around him. I can't imagine what Kellyanne Conway would say about this, but I do know what Steve Bannon has said about this. UK Daily, there's nobody more loyal to Donald Trump than Stephen K. Bannon. And he's done. He's done with Donald Trump. UK Daily Mail, one of Donald Trump's most loyal allies, Steve Bannon, shared his utter disbelief that the former president's major announcement turned out to be a line of $99 digital trading cards and has called for whoever came up with the idea to be fired. The former White House chief strategist said Thursday, quote, I can't do this anymore. He's one of the greatest presidents in history, but I got to tell you, whoever, what business partner and anybody on the comms team and anybody at Mar-a-Lago, and I love the folks down there, but we're at war. They ought to be fired today. Bannon, who in October was sentenced to four months in prison following his conviction and contempt of Congress charges, reacted to the anticlimactic reveal with exasperation on right side broadcasting network. He admitted he still considers Trump one of America's greatest presidents, but the digital trading cards were a step too far as he tries to kickstart his 2024 campaign. I don't get it. 
Trump has been dropping the Republican polls behind Ron DeSantis. That doesn't really matter. Bannon speaking with fellow Trump White House advisors Sebastian Gorka and Steve Cortez on his show, The War Room, blamed either business partners or comm staffers who Bannon believes pushed these NFTs on Trump. He commented, quote, you will not find three harder cores than he and his two hosts, co-hosts, with Bannon, who continues to support Trump, expressing that the NFTs made him look like he's not taking the run seriously. Now, when you've lost Steve Cortez, when you've lost Gorka, when you've lost Bannon, when you've lost Michael Flynn, that's a problem for a presidential campaign. They're running for president. You don't have to be presidential all the time. Donald Trump in 2016 proved that you don't, certainly don't have to appear presidential all the time. But you also shouldn't appear like you're Ron Popeil, Right. You shouldn't appear like you're on the home shopping network, too. Now, he sold out. And some people say, well, he sold out all the NFTs. So there's OK, that's great. Do you think he sold them to people he's convinced now to vote for him? Or do you think he sold them to people who are going to vote for him no matter what he did? Because when you're running for president of the United States, you've got the people who are going to vote for you no matter what. And then you've got everybody else. And you've got to bite into as many as everybody else as you possibly can. And this caused them to recoil, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. There are other things happening in the world, and we shall turn our uh, gaze to them. Now, I just, as we're entering, look, winter is coming. COVID numbers are up. As a parent, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't saying that, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about RSV. I am Now there's the strep being pushed around and, and going around. It's, it's strep A, it's particularly strong strain of, of strep A. And you see all these stories about these kids are ending up hospitalized over strep. It's, you know, as two young kids, you're like, that's terrifying. It's terrifying. Now, my kids allegedly had strep earlier. My wife, too. I think she was actually tested. The kids were just diagnosed as it. I think she was tested. But still, it's it's a terrifying thing. You're sitting there and you're going, what the hell's going on? And uh, you can see the left is taking advantage of this. The control people, the people who desperately wish to control you under any and all circumstances. And so you're seeing a return to mask mandates. You're seeing a return to a push for mask mandates. Up in New York, Governor Kathy Hochul. It's funny because the RNC put together a fairly long video of Governor Hochul meeting and greeting people, usually power brokers within the Democratic Party and the Democratic establishment. No mask, hugging, kissing, oh, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. And then she comes back, you've got to wear a mask now. We might have to return to masking. Los Angeles is getting ready to return to masks. They're pressuring to put on masks. Dr. Fauci, President Fauci himself, as he does his farewell tours, mask, mask, mask. And just to show you how um, it's working with the liberal elite, I want to play you this clip from Good Morning America. Since everybody is, uh, you know, most people are going to be taking off time in the last couple of In media, there are certain times of the year when you can take time off, summer and Christmas. You can take odd days or a week here and there. But the bulk of days off are taken in the summer because it's slower, usually around 
August, during the August recess of Congress, most state governments aren't in, and in Christmas, because most governments aren't in. Although, our government, who knows, if they don't get this budget rammed through, they might be here. Who the hell, they'll probably get it rammed through, though, because and how sad is it that so many of our political leaders go, well, I don't want to work on Christmas, so I'll just vote for something. Or I don't want to, it's going to ruin my New Year's Eve. If I, I'm not going to, I'll just vote to pass, you know, $1.9 trillion, $1.5 trillion, whatever it is. I'll just go ahead and pass it so I can get home for my New Year's party. You go, what the hell? you got a, a, a very important job to do. Don't you think you should maybe do that? Is that too much to ask? And oftentimes, sadly, all too oftentimes, that is the case. But Good Morning America Friday is doing their week or year in sort of review kind of thing. It's weird. The two uh, Good Morning America hosts were sleeping together, married to other people, sleeping together. They at first said, we admit it. We're having enough. We're dating now. We love each other and it's wonderful. And oh, let's celebrate. Love is love. And then they uh, said, well, wait a second. Uh, this is not the look we want because uh, it's the wrong love. It's, you know, unmarried, it's sexual, it's on the job, it's this, that, and the other thing. And so you have, they've disappeared. And in, weirdly, as they look back on the year, according to Curtis Houck of the Media Research Center, as they looked back on the year of Good Morning America, those two are nowhere to be seen. In the montage, they did a whole year of review. And those two at the end of it apparently did nothing that warranted their inclusion in it. They're not supposedly not fired. But if you're looking back at the year of your show and, oh, man, this is the year. What a year it was. And you're in none of the highlights. I've got to assume you're not long for that world. I just I've got to assume that you're not long for that world. But most importantly, in this Good Morning America thing, they cut to somebody who's like probably the uh, stage director, stage manager wearing a mask. And then they cut to the control room. There's a good chunk of people in the control room, probably 20 people in the control room. Every single one of them is wearing a mask. And then they come back to the five hosts sitting in a little semicircle right next to each other, all cozy, all talking about, oh, man, they're so close. They had, what a wonderful year they had. Not a one of them's wearing a mask. They're breathing all over each other. Not a one of them's wearing a mask. And she says, it's really important that you get to see the people who put this show together. Except their faces are, if they're robbing a bank, you that's what they're prepared for. That's what they look like. They're, you can't see these people. It's your one chance. Even if you're told to wear the mask in the control room for whatever reason you want, at the time when the camera comes to shoot inside the control room to show you the one shot you get all year of being on camera, say hi to your family, whatever, shouldn't you be able to take the mask off? I yeah. know, but it's really fun, the behind-the-scenes people. Yes. Yes. Like Brad and Sal yes. and everybody like that. He's already getting ready he's for next year. And we got to give a shout-out. Our control room. Yeah. You know, the ones from Long Street, Pete, Newey, everyone. Oh, isn't that our president? Is this, she's here today. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just happens to drop by when we're having a party. <laughs> I got you. All right. Yeah. But it's just wonderful, and it's really great for people to see everyone that makes this happen. It does take a village. <laughs> it does take a village. Listen, look at everybody who makes it. What are their their eyebrows and eyes? 
That's what they are. They're eyebrows and eyes. Congratulations on being eyebrows and eyes. Get your masks now while you still can. But again, of course, brings back to the classic, if masks work, why do you care if other people aren't wearing them? Um, speaking, since we're still in the basking the afterglow of the Brittany Griner swap, the worst trade since Babe Ruth for no-known Annette, although that actually wasn't a bad deal. I have a Babe Ruth biography on my uh, in my books, in my audio books. The, the play ended up making a ton of money for the guy who sold Babe Ruth for like $125,000. I made a ton of money on it. So it wasn't that bad. From a winning the World Series perspective, having one of the greatest baseball players of all time on your team perspective, probably not so good long term. But, you know, it wasn't totally terrible. It's not like the play folded in a week. Uh, but uh, since Brittany Griner is still fresh in people's minds, and kudos to her, by the way, for not being exploited by the Biden administration. I kind of thought that she would show up at the Army-Navy game. She didn't. Um, this is just a stark reminder. Now, this isn't an American. But it is a reminder that you are an American and you, therefore, enjoy the rights guaranteed by the Constitution, protected by the Constitution, as an American in the United States of America, they do not travel with you. Other countries, no matter how seemingly similar they are to us, despite, you know, say their fish intake in this case, since we're talking about Norway, they are vastly different than we are. Story comes to us from the New York Post. A woman in Norway is facing up to three years in prison on criminal hate speech charges after saying that a man cannot become a lesbian. Yeah, three years in prison. Tanji, I don't know how you speak Norwegian, it's T-O-N-J-E, Jevonjon, J, or G-J-E-V-J-O-N, a lesbian filmmaker and actress. So she is a member of a favored community, quote-unquote, for Democrats. Uh, was informed on November 17th that she was under investigation for speaking out against prominent Norwegian activist Christine Genthoff on Facebook. Genthoff is a transgender female that often refers to herself as a lesbian mother. Genthoff previously accused another woman, Christina Ellingsen, of transphobia for a similar claim. Ellingsen is also under investigation and faces three years in jail if found guilty. You see, we are on the animal farm where some animals are just more equal than others. All you have to do is accuse somebody of not being a pure enough communist. Oh, wait, no, no, no I'm sorry. Of committing a hate crime against you. And as long as you fit perfectly where the left needs you to, on the slide rule of victimhood, you can put people away or make their lives hell. Now, these people are facing three years in prison. If they're found guilty, it'll be up to a jury of their peers. But it's very telling that there just has to be the allegation. And suddenly, what happens? You get investigated. Guess what you got to do when you're investigated? Well, you've got to get a lawyer. You've got to get a good lawyer. When you're dealing with going against the prevailing political correct wins, you better have a damn good lawyer. Because if they're willing to pass a law that says three years in jail for calling a, saying a dude can't be a lesbian, how much pressure do you think 
those jurors are going to be under, just from societal, not that they'll be charged themselves, but societal pressure, societal pressure. You vote not guilty as a jurist, and then it comes out you're a jurist. What What are you, a monster? What are you, a transphobe? This is how it starts. This is how it spirals out of control. So while we enjoy a certain amount of liberty still here in the United States, for now, it's like looking into what the left would love to do were they able to. Here, keep an eye on it. And remember, this is the last bastion where free speech actually means free speech. And look at the uh, pissing match we're having on Twitter over just that concept of what really constitutes free speech. The left would love to do what's happening in Norway here. They're doing it socially. They'd love to do it legally. Watch out for them. This is why they have to be destroyed, not just defeated, destroyed ultimately. Elon Musk is about these these twizzard leftists. Really, it's they. It's as though they've forgotten everything that happened up until the moment Elon Musk bought Twitter with Twitter. Conservatives get banned. The New York Post. Every one of these leftist journalists are going. I can't believe that he's banning journalists, real journalists, for just reporting good stuff. They're not just reporting. They were telling the world, meaning a bunch of crazy people who they've whipped into a frenzy to believe that Elon Musk is a monster and needs to be killed. They're telling him where Elon Musk was in real time. Here's where his jet is. Here's where it's going. Meet him at the airport. Meet him here. All of these things. Now, it's kind of funny. They're saying, well, all we are doing is using publicly available data. That's not true. That's not true. So when the crazy person did show up, and harass Elon Musk and his newborn son, uh, you can see why Elon Musk might go, wait a second, what, how, did you, how did you know where I was? And then you look online and you say, oh, these Democrats in the media are out there telling the world where I am. That's doxing. You're not allowed to give out people's personal contact information or where they are in real time. And so the person got suspended. This person calls themselves, a journalist, and it, because he's a left-wing activist, he used to, I think he used to work for Media Matters or Fox. Or, it was whatever. It's, it, they all, it's very incestuous, these left-wingers. He, uh, they end up in a situation where he gets suspended and what happens? All the New York Times, NBC News, all these other leftists at different organizations go, can you believe they suspended this wonderful person, these wonderful people? Oh my! And so they, all he did was, Say this. And so they started doing exactly what had gotten this left winger banned for seven days. Or actually, I think he was originally suspended. They started linking. They did the same thing. Now, they did the same thing for a purpose. They, too, wanted to be banned. Why? Because it's a badge of honor. Look, you don't want to be the one liberal journalist at the holiday, the transgender holiday party or whatever the hell it is that they do. Wouldn't we call it a Christmas party? Who show them, you're the one who wasn't banned. You're the one who didn't go to the mattresses defending journalists' ability to tell the world, including unstable people who show up and block Elon Musk's car, that, uh, you know, telling the world where he is at any given time. You don't want to be that person. So they all started doing it, and a half dozen of them got suspended for doing exactly what they knew would get them suspended. So they did it to get suspended. 
And they got what they wanted. And then they got the red badge of courage. Oh, we're so brave. We're so wonderful. We're so this. We're so that. And CNN is issuing statements. And the Washington Post is issuing statements going, my God, what is happening here? And CNN's statement on somebody called Donnie O'Sullivan. Now, I get he's an Irish guy, but I don't trust him. And that's his name. It's not Donald, I believe. But just as a rule of thumb, I don't trust anybody with uh, who's like, my name is is Don, and I go by Donnie. Eh, I don't know. My name is Timothy, but call me Timmy. Okay, if you're 12, I'll call you Timmy. Eight, I think you're Timmy. Once you get past puberty, certainly out of high school, if you're going to be called Timmy, I don't know. I mean, there's some people I know named Joey and Billy and that were okay, but I'm always a little suspicious. At a certain point, you should drop the Y or the IE or however you spell it, and just become the adult name. But anyway, Donnie O'Sullivan, this, this is the CNN communications, the PR wing of CNN. This impulsive and unjustified suspension of a number of reporters, including CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, is concerning but not surprising. Hmm, here we go. Twitter's increasing instability and volatility should be of incredible concern for everyone who uses the platform. Why? And what are you talking about? Uh, instability, whatever. Well, it's Democrats are being held to account. Democrats are being held to the same standards they have cheered Republicans being held to. We have asked Twitter for an explanation, and we will reevaluate our relationship based on that response. CNN is dying as it is. They are desperate in need of Twitter. They don't, there's not, what are they going to do? But I will remind you that they and every other so-called journalist out there are going, can you believe that these wonderful award-winning journalists, oh, they're award-winning, what awards did they win? They won the awards we make up and we all give each other awards and that's what we do. They're award-winning. They've been suspended by Twitter. The Washington Post executive editor, Sally Busby, says, quote, the suspension of Drew Harwell's Twitter account directly undermines Elon Musk's claim that he intends to run Twitter as a platform dedicated to free speech. Now, I don't know, Sally Busby, maybe she's uninformed, maybe she's willfully ignorant about what they were actually doing. I think uh, they were messing around. They were smoking out by the gas pumps. And so they all got, uh, you know, arrested and they had to go. Parents had to come pick them up at the uh, police station, the parents, and Sally Busby comes in. How dare you arrest little Drewy Hartwell? He was doing nothing. No, he was smoking by the gas pumps. Oh, oh okay. Well, thank you, because he could have blown up everything. But no, no, no. She doesn't care. Hartwell was banished from Twitter without warning, process, or explanation. Welcome to the club, lady. Welcome to the club. Following the publication of his accurate reporting about Musk, our journalists should be reinstated immediately. Well, our journal. These are the people who publish Taylor Lorenz. Taylor Lorenz is the person who outed the libs of TikTok, the anonymous Twitter account, named the person, not only named the person, but linked to their home address. Straight up. So you can't really take them all that seriously. They also, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, all of these outrage... Outrage-feigning organizations, the pearl clutching the pearls, fused to their hands in outrage. They did what when the New York Post was banned 
during the 2020 election for accurately reporting a story that they've all now verified on their own. But at the time, nobody made any attempt to verify at all. They just simply said, hacked material. Oh, 51 former uh, former intelligence people said it's fake, so it must be fake. They made no effort whatsoever to validate or invalidate the information. They just simply said it's fake. They declared it to be And the New York Post was blocked on Twitter, banned on Twitter for three weeks because of this story. And not a single damn one of them released a breathless statement in solidarity with their fellow journalists who actually were right, who actually did publish a true story. Instead, they all lied about it. It's hacked material, Russian disinformation, so on and so forth. So spare me if I don't give a damn about their sensibilities. There's a uh, great meme out there. It's a gif or gif or whatever the hell it is. And it's a F around and find out. And it's somebody drawing a bar graph. And the line line up is the more you F around and the line across the bottom is the more you find out. And he's drawing a line up and it says, boom, he's drawing the lines. The more you F around, the more you found out. These people, they found out. At least the first, I'd say two, maybe three people found out. The rest of them deliberately did it in order to be a part of the in crowd, in order to get their, I assume the special order t-shirts are being made right now at that transgender holiday party that they'll be going, I was banned on Twitter by Elon Musk's ego and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Sadly, given the state of journalism today, that T-shirt will need to be amended that they'll probably win a Pulitzer Prize or a Peabody or something on top of it because journalism is dead. And I say that again. Journalism is dead. It does not die of natural causes. It died of suicide. It died from autoerotic asphyxiation. As we continue, quick hits on the news. Oregon Governor Kate Brown, she's leaving office. She's done. Uh, On the way out, though, she's doing what leftists always do, trying to destroy as much as possible, trying to do whatever she should just what the the people. This is what democracy looks like. Now, this is what autocracy looks like. This is what totalitarianism looks like. And of course, NPR is promoting it as though it's a wonderful accomplishment by a just charming, charming lady. The story from NPR, Oregon Governor Kate Brown began her tenure in 2015 by extending her predecessor's moratorium on executions. Now, with just weeks left in office, she is commuting the sentences of all 17 people on death row in the state. They will instead serve life in prison with no chance of parole. Oh, there's no chance of parole. Never say there's no chance of parole. As long as there's life, there's a chance of parole, especially when you keep pointing leftist morons to uh, judgeships, federally and at state level. Uh, The Democrat announced Tuesday that she would use her executive clemency powers. This is, you know, there's no, that she's deciding that the jury's got it wrong and essentially letting these people live. You know what? I'm going to sentence you to three hots and a cot for a very long time. Now all these people will go, I'm a woman. Put me in women's prison. And and the Democrats who control the state will go, well, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Uh, she, uh, she announced she would use her executive clemency powers to make the commutations, which took effect the following day. And she emphasized 
that, unlike previous commutations she's granted, they are not based on any rehabilitative efforts by the individuals on death row. So they're unrepentant murderers, child molesters, cop killers, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, they're not, they don't care. They're unrepentant. But uh, who cares? She said, quote, instead, it reflects the recognition that the death penalty is immoral. Oh, the death penalty is immoral. You got to love these people. They don't have any clue what morality is. They have no, by the way, Kate Brown, according to her Wikipedia page and most news stories about her, this is right in the beginning of her, uh, in the opening paragraphs of her Wikipedia entry. An openly bisexual woman, Brown has made history several times through her electoral success. In 2008, she became the first openly LGBT person elected Secretary of State in a state in the United States. In 2016, she became the first openly LGBT person elected governor in a state in the United States, as well as the second woman elected governor in Oregon. Oh, yay, golf clap. Yeah, I'm not going to really take morality lessons from you, lady. I'm sorry, especially when it comes to murderers. You're not on death row for jaywalking, and you're not on death row for 20 minutes, and then they say, well, it's time, let's go. You're on death row for years. Their guilt is not in doubt. Their guilt is not in question. And the fact that you did this, regardless of whether or not they even felt remorse or did any sort of penance for their heinous crimes is a testament to just how wedded you are, committed you are, not necessarily to a man or a woman, <laughs> not to a man or a woman, although she's married, but who knows if, uh, maybe it's not cheating if, if, no, I can't say it, but, uh, you know, she's not really the arbiter of morality, I would say, quote, it is, we're talking about the death penalty, it is irreversible punishment that does not allow for correction, is wasteful of taxpayer dollars, does not make communities safer, and cannot be ever, uh, and cannot be and never has been administered fairly and equitably. There's the last bit. Fair and equitable. What is fair and equitable? What are you, you got to have a direct number of proportion of the population of this type of person or that type of person. Are you saying Oregon is wildly racist? Because Oregon is pretty much like a snowstorm. It's all white. But if you got to have a certain number of checklists of you got to have this type of person and that type of person on death row and, you know, wait, we've executed too many of these. We got to get us a couple more of those, so on and so forth. Then, well, that's stupid, first of all. But if that's the case then why don't we look at the number of crimes committed by that same unit of men? You can't say that. You can't say you can't look at the people committing crime. No. You have to just look at individuals. How about that? No, that's not the way the left works. But I would take issue with other things aside from her stupidity and racism at the end. It's wasteful of taxpayer dollars. It's wasteful of taxpayer dollars. Why? Because leftists allow, what, 20 years on death row and all those appeals? and never really get around to the execution part. So, yeah, it does cost money to keep people on death row because you never allow it. It does not allow for corrections. You yourself in your statement said it has nothing to do with their rehabilitative efforts because they don't give a damn. They're glad they murdered. And then the last one, it does not make communities safer. I would say that it absolutely does in one particular way 
and that is there is nobody in the history of the death penalty who has received the death penalty who has then gone on to commit another crime. The recidivism rate amongst those executed by the state is zero percent. In many ways, it's the most successful way of preventing crime ever, because in prison they can commit more crimes, but in hell they can't. So spare me this. It does not make communities safer. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But it doesn't deter murder. Maybe not. All sorts of things don't deter murder, but it really does deter repeat murders. Can we just say, can we say that? Are we allowed to say that? Uh, lastly, today, oh, good old Secretary Mayor Pete. Washington Free Beacon has this story. You know, we had that almost rail strike that would have wreaked havoc on the supply chain, as it were. And Democrat, the, the Biden administration lied about, well, we struck a deal before the election. We've averted a crisis. And it was a lie. It was a lie. They just hid the fact. That, and the media is going, oh, it's such a brilliant stroke the way they lied. Well, the Secretary of Transportation, if you thought when, when it came back out, when it was noted, hey, we're still going to have this strike. What the hell? And Biden punted. You'd have thought that the secretary punted it to Congress and made Congress enforce a contract that the union members didn't want because Joe Biden's so pro-union. You'd think that the Secretary of Transportation, who directly oversees this aspect of the economy, this aspect of the country, would have been involved in this, but he was not. He was on a very long vacation in Portugal. <laughs> he didn't, it didn't matter. He wasn't involved. He was off in Portugal. On vacation now, he's already been on maternity leave. He's been on sick leave. He's got all sorts of problems and reasons and excuses for him not doing the job. And yet again, when he was on maternity or paternity leave for two or three months, nobody noticed he was gone. Not a single human being noticed he was gone. Now he's they got a rail strike crisis looming. And the Secretary of Transportation was on the other side of the planet sunning himself on beaches with his husband and their two adoptive kids. Nobody noticed he was gone again. Now, shouldn't I tell you something about Secretary Mayor Pete? I think that should. But if there's a government shutdown, he's, he should qualify as a non-essential employee, I think. All right, that is enough for today. I think it's a weekend. It's a weekend. What the hell? We'll talk about everything more in depth tomorrow. But the weekend still, you got to bask in their glory while you can. Oh, yeah, wait. That means I've got a book to give away. I wish I could give everybody a copy of a sign autographed Donald Trump. I really do. Um, I just don't have enough of them. And so I only have the one. Time to, I had to look at it, I can't remember the name of it. Time to Get Tough, signed by Donald John Trump. And the winner, ladies and gentlemen, is a man named Dan Johnson. Congratulations, Dan Johnson. I'm sorry to everybody else who didn't win, but there can be only one. Dan, the sooner you get me your address... The sooner I can get this sucker in the mail to you and you have a chance of getting it by Christmas. I can't guarantee it, but if you get me your address today, early, I can guarantee that I will go to the post office today, which will suck, but I'll do it, if not tomorrow. No, I'll do it today. If you get it to me by, by noon today, I'll get to the post office today. If you get it afternoon, I'll go to the post office tomorrow, and then... Uh, 
then it's up to the hands of the fine, fine members of the Postal Letters Care Union, whatever the hell they're called, to get it to you by Christmas. If you even want it, I don't know if you're going to give it as a gift or you're going to sell it on eBay or whatever you're going to do, but uh, it's yours now, not mine. You can eat it, and nobody, well, everybody can judge you, but nobody can stop you, unless we get you committed, which you probably, if you're eating a book, any book, you should probably be committed. So whatever, do it inside. Nobody will know. Congratulations. Thanks to everybody who entered. I will, uh, there's not going to be a giveaway. There's going to be a two-week giveaway. I haven't even gone through the books to find out which other book I'm going to offer. So I'll announce that tomorrow just because, yeah, I suck. Look, I'm half, I'm half asleep at this point. <laughs> I'm so ready for a vacation, even a staycation. But uh, yes, thank you. I'll announce tomorrow's show, which will be the autographed book that will go with mine. And somebody wrote, like, oh, everybody's like, I want yours, but I blah, blah, blah. And you probably have boxes full of you. I don't. I think I got, like, I don't even know where. I know where one copy is because I'm looking at it. It's the one I took the picture of. I don't know where any other copies of my book are. If I have them, I think I might have, like, three or four. Uh, but they are in a box in the basement. Uh, I got 50 when the book came out. That was part of the deal. It was a David Limbaugh special. They were going to give me 25, and David said, ask for more. And so I did. And uh, they expect you to, or they, they give you a bunch of, so you can go and you can sell them. You can go to give a speech. You can go to an event. And you can sell your books. And I just, I feel so weird even doing that. I feel weird saying, please support the show for five bucks a month, that I couldn't sit there and go, yeah, for $25, I'll sell you a copy of my book that you could go buy for for $12 on Amazon. It just feels douchey. So I ended up giving them away. I gave them to friends and family and gave them away here and whatever. And now it's, I've, I've got, I, like I gave my dad the very first copy that I got from the pub. They sent me like three copies. The first one on top. I signed to my dad and sent it to him. So somewhere in the family, there's a copy. And uh, there's probably a couple more copies downstairs, but I don't know where they are. So I don't have a bunch of them to give away. I wish I did. I have book plates that I could sign. If you want me to sign your book plate, I'll happily do that. And just email me and I'll sign it and put a stamp on it and send it out to you. But I can't, uh, I don't have a ton of books to give away. Sorry. I don't even have books to sell. Which when I the one time I did that it was nice, but I still felt douchey doing it. So yeah, all I really like to I like to ask people for something is if I give them something in return, and that's what the uh, Patreon and Curse Show and all that stuff are. Can't just say hey, send me money because I feel weird. Although I'll happily take your money, I just won't ask for it. <laughs> anyway, it's enough. Congratulations, Dan. Email me your. Uh, address i'll get it to you nobody needs to hear all the other weird neuroses and you'll find out what books are up tomorrow have a great as good as you can and okay crap it's monday but know that there's a three-day weekend ahead of you for most of you appreciate you listening we'll be right back or we'll, we'll be back good god see, i told you i'm burned out <laughs> i'll see you tomorrow <laughs>